0: That you're going to be blessed this morning. Yeah. As Christians, we must know how to say certain things, isn't it? Yeah. Telling somebody, telling yourself I'm blessed should be a very normal. It should be like just drinking water. Amen. Yeah. I know some of us don't practice. You should be able to wake up in the morning and declare it. This is a blessed morning. I am blessed today. Everywhere I go, I'm going to meet a blessing. Everybody I meet is going to be a blessing to me. God is going to use me to be a blessing to many. Everything I touch today will be blessed. Everything I say today will come to pass. Only goodness and mercy will follow me. Learn how to say it. Learn how to say it. Learn how to say it. Learn how to say it and learn how to repeat it. Amen. Yeah, the apostle told there. he said, for me to tell you over and over again, it's not harmful, but for you, it is safe. Amen. Yeah, so we have to practice it. We are, life has taught us to practice so many things. But when you become a child of God, another thing is taught you. Amen. Yeah, so we have to learn it. You have to learn it. But you see, because sometimes you don't feel the blessing. But when you have learned how to say it, whatever you are feeling is superimposed. By whatever you are saying. Amen. So you learn it. You practice it. Yeah. How many of us remember how we learned how to brush our teeth? Some of us are still learning. But anyway, it, was, it took a while, isn't it? Yeah. And now when you are going to brush your teeth, you don't plan it. You just know what to do. Yeah. Those who are driving will remember how it was when they started learning. When they sit behind the wheel, you know, they are totally focused under pressure, and then can't, you know. I can never teach anybody how to drive. I just My son made me realize that I'm not capable of teaching anybody how to drive because I have so much fear when I see them <laughs> moving, you know. Yeah, the few times that I've sat in Cairn's driving lesson, honestly, I couldn't breathe. And I realized that once upon a time, I was also there, you know. But when you do it and do it and do it and do it, now, when you're driving, you don't have to think, am I supposed to turn, take, uh, shift to left, first, second, third? No, you just do it. You know, you see a car coming, you just break. And that is how we are as Christians. If we keep practicing, practicing, we'll pass the test. Amen. And then we'll be able to use it. Drive whether it's snow, whether it's winter, whether it's summer. Amen. So tell your neighbor, I'm blessed. Now tell your neighbor, you are also blessed. Amen. Genesis chapter 27. We're going to try and just pick up a few things and then put Jacob on a hold for a while. Amen. See Jacob, see me. See Jacob, see me. Today we are going to read quite a bit of scripture and we are going to try and look at a few of the chapters and pick up a few things and then go home and prepare ourselves for tomorrow. Amen. Remember that tomorrow we are having service and we are having a feast. Amen. We are having a feast. It's the one day in the year that you can eat till you feel uncomfortable. You can eat till you have to pray for mercy and forgiveness. You know, and um, let's make sure we are here. Don't come alone. Don't let anybody you know be alone on Christmas Day. Bring them into the house of God. Amen. Yeah, I made a new friend a couple of weeks ago, and we're having a chat. We had coffees at some point, and she... She was asking, "What are you doing this Christmas?" And I explained to her how we in this house spend Christmas. Then she just call, uh, sends me a message and she said, "Oh, I've got a gift that I would also like to give for your Christmas day service and the meal." Amen. Yeah. So there is more than enough food to feed as many people as will appear in this house. Amen. So let's come. Let's bring somebody with us. You know, it's a joyful season. Even though some people, I mean, backslide on that day, but it's generally a joyful season. Let's be a part of it as we prepare for 31st night, usher ourselves into 2018 and see what the Lord has in store for us. Like Pastor Sam said, one of the major things in January is our Shiloh service. We know that every time we have a covenant with God, he makes sure it comes to pass. Amen. So we'll be looking forward to that. We've been looking at Jacob and Esau, and when we see them, we see ourselves. You know, we've seen that we have conflicts within and without. We've looked at all the levels of and conditions of various relationships and the choices we have to make and the different things we have to consider. But just to round it off, you know, the Bible said that you can't say, I have finished this, but you can give it a pause So just for us to pause on this particular line or train of thoughts, we're going to look at the last one. And I call it compromise. Amen. Compromise. Compromise. 2018 is coming and we are going to face certain kinds of challenges. So I pray that as we go through these scriptures and look at a couple of things, God will equip us for that which is needed to ensure that we don't compromise and we rise above Amen. In chapter 7, we see Isaac getting old and wondering when he's going to die. So, as the custom of that season was, you know, he calls his firstborn son Esau and tells him to go and prepare a nice meal that he loves so that he will. Bless him before he die. In fact, that particular verse, as I was reading, because we're going to read from a a further verse. But the the way the verse described it, that Isaac called Esau and told him that he should prepare him a game that he, Isaac, loves, so that he will bless him. Remember last week we were looking at it and we said, Isaac's love had a condition, isn't it? Yeah, he's saying that I'm going to bless you because the game that you prepare for me, I love. So he said, go and prepare it. And then... You find Rebecca listening to that conversation and taking an ulterior plan. So he, maybe she should read from earlier. Do you like the Bible? Then allow me to read. Even if it's 50 verses, it doesn't matter. I'm going to read from verse, just because I'm assuming you know the story, but you may not know it, isn't it? So let's read from far. Let's read from verse number Five. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt, game, and to bring it. So, Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, Jacob, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Amen. Parents, please don't put your children in very compromising situations. Somebody say amen. amen. And Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, Look. Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself, and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, have you seen mothers like that before? Yeah, I I, I believe that I have relatives who fit this bill totally, completely. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son only obey my voice and go and get them for me you know that's why mothers please don't pressurize your children to marry because other people are marrying and don't pressurize them to become something and you know i don't know about you but when i was young you know the choice of course you will do and what you will become was very few doctor lawyer if you are lucky though add engineer but that was not almost even added by force whether your son is an artist And it doesn't matter. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, you didn't have the choice. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. You see, when you read the story, you think we are talking about young Esau and young Jacob. Esau and Jacob were 70 years old at this time. Why were they in their mother's house anyway? And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth parts of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have... Done just as you told me, please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father. And he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me. I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him. He ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain, wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Esau comes back and everything has already taken place. I'm sorry. Verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me also, me also, oh my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob for a purpose? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. He said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up. Of his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall save your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The day of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother. Jacob. Amen. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Amen. We've read read a very long passage and I didn't want to remove too much from it because I wanted us to get a very good picture. We'll be reading a bit more, but I wanted us to get a a good picture of how things unfolded. And the first thing, we're going to look at maybe three or four things, but the first thing that you see is the level of Manipulation. Amen. You just see Rebecca at her very best. And you see Jacob following the, the the trend or the line. But one of the things I wanted to tell us, because sometimes we don't realize that manipulation will bring you the blessing. But it doesn't necessarily bring you the manifestation of the blessing. Because God will not bless who you pretend to be. God will not bless who you pretend to be. So long as Jacob was pretending to be Esau, the blessing had been pronounced, but it was not going to come to pass at that time. Because when you read verse 41, they say that Esau planned to kill him. So Jacob, when you keep reading, his mother immediately took a plan. Jacob has received a blessing, but his mother went and said, listen, your brother is coming to kill you. You've got to run. So you've received a blessing, but I'm sorry, you've got to go. Go to my brother Laban's house. Come on, just just leave now. In spite of the great blessing that has been put on him, he had to go. And even that, you realize that Rebecca lied and said, you're going to be Esau, go and get a blessing. And for her to be able to send her son Jacob away, she had to lie again and tell uh, Isaac that, you know, the women around here, they are not very good character and the way they are is not very good. So let's send Jacob to my father, uh, my, my, my household, and let him find a wife there. So Jacob called, let's call him, Jacob called Isaac. After his wife had convinced him and blessed Isaac again, and said uh, chapter 28. He said, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Pardon, to the house of Bethel, your mother's house, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you, make you fruitful, and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of people, and give you the blessing of Hebra to you and your descendants, with you that you may inherit in the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So this was the second lot of blessing that Isaac pronounced on Jacob. This blessing, when Isaac was pronouncing it on the person, he was pronouncing it on Jacob, not on Esau. So the first set of blessing that came to pass in Jacob's life was this, that you'll be blessed in a strange land. So as he went to Laban's place, there he got blessed. The first set of blessings, the dew hadn't come because he was pretending to be Esau. But when he called him as um, uh, Jacob and blessed him, that one he walked out. If you read the chapter 20, verse 20, you realize that even to maneuver that blessing, you, you can even still uh, 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 link it to God. See, you are blessed. So, what did Jacob say? He said, oh, God brought the... And the father was like, how did you just get something to kill right now and cook? He said, the Lord brought it. Hey, just now you have money to become... Oh, it was God. Pastor, I want to share my testimony. I want to tell my testimony. You know, I traveled... And by the grace of God, I've just met this amazing person, and we are going to get married. All we require is your blessing. Then you ask, who is the person? So, you know, one of the things I've come to learn since I became a young Christian is that a lot of Christians even say, Oh, this is my uncle, or this is my cousin. (laughs) Give it a few years to sustain the uncleship and the brothership. Because we have come to realize that sometimes what they are calling a blessing, it is not coming from God. And actually, it is not a blessing. Yes, yes, yes. So, you mean you got a promotion at work? I said, God made a way for me. Meanwhile, you have gone to stab somebody in the back, destroyed somebody's career, redone someone, and then you are sitting in somebody else's office now. You say, we thanks be to God. Yeah. You have maneuvered your way, maneuvered. You know, and it's even in the house of God. You know, it's like this person is a pastor. Then we hear an announcement. Uh, Pastor Sam is no longer the associate pastor. Now we have Pastor Schwarzenegger, who is the associate pastor. So why? But when did you even start serving the house then your person, oh God, does miracles and wonders, always works in mysterious way. Every time we are doing something that is wrong, we always, always associate the name of God with it. Every time we are even taking a wrong decision, and we know it is a wrong decision, we still, because we are Christians, so there must be a sense of gratitude to God. Yeah. When you go to certain countries, prostitutes come and share their testimony. Yeah. Yeah. The man was just about to die in my bed. I laid hands on him, and then he woke up, and he arose. (laughs) Oh, you think it's a joke? It's a real story. Yeah. One day, the pastor said, uh, some young man came to me and asked him, Pastor, you know, we are still debating about paying our tithes. The pastor was like, why? He said, well, you see, as Christians and from what you preach on the pulpit, we are not sure whether the the source of the tithe <laughs> is suitable to go into the offering, man. Right? The pastor told them that say everything is sanctified under the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah. We defile a lot of things. And then still we, we, we attribute it to God. And we attribute it to God. Yeah. Because it is the only way we think we deal with our conscience once we put it to God. But so long as you are pretending to be somebody you are not, that blessing that you have maneuvered to get, it won't bless you. Yeah. Anybody who breaks a marriage and marries the person never survives their marriage. Ooh, it's not a prophetic way, it's a fact. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody who just dis- you see it, it doesn't matter what area. A lot of us we even have relatives who are mean, who are wicked, who are no, you see, one of the things the Bible says is that a case costless shall never happen. So sometimes you see that somebody's been haven't you even realized, you know, even in I mean, in real life, if you come from an environment where they have things like house helps or relatives who stay with people, you will see that the relatives who are molested, harassed, put down, spat on, misused, abused, made to do all the housework, made to do all the cleaning, pushed in the back room, giving leftover they do very well in life. You know, I think it was a few months where listening to a message and a sister was giving the testimony online. And as soon as I saw her, I told Reverend, I know her. She's a very good family friend. She was like a sister. And then I told Reverend a story. And no, no, she was coming to give the testimony, the story. And it was so amazing because seeing her at that high level, at that high place, you know, because when her dad left her mother, he went to marry a woman who was determined that this. First wife's children will not survive. Maltreated them. But luckily for this particular one, she was so strong in her faith that she took her little sister along and they were strong in their faith. They went to church and they said, we are fasting. And they came home and her little sister was not as spiritual as she was. And then when they got to the kitchen, there was food laid out and the woman said, this food is for you. To her little sister. And for the first time, there was meat to eat. So, uh, (coughs) She was about to devour. And then the biggest star came in. I said, don't touch this food. Have you ever had meat in this house? And she took. And whilst, as soon as she took her star away, the woman's daughter came and looked at food. They said, who made this food for you? People? You in this house, you eat meat. And she ate the food. As we speak, she's still mental. She's mad. And her mother came in as she was eating. Why are you eating the food? But she had eaten the food already. When you maneuver a blessing for you, it will never, unless God has given it to you. Unless God has given it to you. I feel like I'm telling somebody something. Because some of us are challenged and are struggled and, and sometimes we feel that, you know, that life has dealt us a wrong hand or a bad hand it doesn't matter the hand that God, that the world has given to you, or life has given to you. God will be able to use it in so long as you don't pretend to be who you are not. So long as you are who he made you, called by what he has called you, he will make it happen. Let's look at it a second. We're going to end soon. Today we are not going to be here. Tell somebody about you, be yourself. Be yourself. And tell the person, appreciate what life has dealt with you. Work with it. Yeah. You see, because when you look at Esau, he was so frustrated. Do you remember that when he begged his father and begged his father, his father blessed him. And his father told him that, listen, even after you have wrestled a a little bit, you will survive, you will do well. You will be blessed also. But he was so focused on the blessing that Jacob had received and he was so determined to find a way to destroy Jacob, it consumed him. It consumed, it consumed, I mean, it just ate him up. It's like, you know, this one, I'm not going to allow it. And when it consumes you like that, it can easily bring you to a place that you take certain decisions, hoping that it will affect somebody else. Yeah. You find children that who have been corrected rebuked you know the children uh, parents are trying to bring them up in a certain way for their own good and then they rebel i'm going to do this so that my parents will see (laughs) i'm going to start doing this so you know i'm going to yeah i'm moving out of the house especially when you're in europe where you can you're 16 you're 18 you can get out the client said i'm leaving Hoping that your parents will be heartbroken. Hoping that they will be sad. They will see what life is like without you. you not realizing that you are going to see what life is like without them. Esau did the same thing. Esau had his father give him, when his father and mother were discussing that the people are not good. Let's just read it. Chapter 28, verse 6. The Bible says, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he gave him a chance saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan. Aram. Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father. So what do you think Esau did? Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalatha, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebojah, to be his wife in addition to the wives he already had. Amen. Hey, Esau. The only reason Esau went for another wife was to hurt the parents because he had realized that if he goes to marry from the Canaanite, his father would be very hurt because that was the one main instruction he had them giving to Jacob. So I'm going to do it so that they will see. But what we all realize is that anytime you wish something bad or you're doing something so that somebody else will get hurt, it always comes back to you. The only person who eventually gets hurt is you. The only person who eventually breaks down is you. I don't care whether it's about work, whether it's at home, whether it's about family, whatever it is. That's why even when you are working at a workplace and somebody is so evil or you think someone doesn't like you, don't spend your energy trying to manipulate or find ways to make sure that something bad will happen to them. Because the more you manipulate, the better they get. The more... The more you are envious of them, the more, the more they become blessed. The more, you are, the more you are trying to spite them, the better they rise, the more they rise. Have you seen, you know, the, when the guy left you, the girl he went for, that you were hoping that she would wrinkle and she's getting smoother and smoother and she's getting nicer and nicer and she's getting sharper and sharper and she's looking better and better. You, do you understand? Yeah. And, and she got married and her marriage is working and working. And it's been working even more. And because you are frustrating yourself about it, you are getting more wrinkled and more wrinkled. <laughs> then you have become like Miss Havisham. <laughs> yeah, while she's getting happier and happier. While she's getting, she's getting happier and happier, she's being more blessed. Then you are getting more and more frustrated, more and more challenged. More and more challenge, more and more frustrated. More, you see, even in the house of God, if you see somebody rising, or you know, wow, well, sister, we are announcing Brother John's wedding. You know, even yeah, I know because some brothers they have pop, they can't open their mouth. And they've, maybe they've been around for a long time. People come into the church, they marry. People, but Brother Jones too has come, is come to get married. Rather than getting angry Brother Jones, you have to show some joy. And you know such brothers too, they always have information on everybody. Instead of being able to use it to also say something that will be of benefit, they go to the person who has already been given full wraps and say, um, Sister Shonda, do you know Brother Jones very well? I mean, I'm not trying to interfere in your relationship, but I'm just wondering if you know, you know, the, the you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I take you as a sister in the Lord, you know, and, and I appreciate that, you know, God will bless you. But is this the blessing that God is bringing your way? You cannot, you cannot... Even compromise on your own values because you want to hate somebody. Because when you go into Bible, you realize that Esau's previous wives they were in the line, they were in order. He did according to us his father wanted. But when this thing came, now he has gone against it. And all of us will be faced with an opportunity to do something to hate someone. I've been there, so nobody has been there. Where in your heart, you, you you said a silent prayer. That hopefully, you know, sometimes it's even, even for those of us who are students, you have just the cocky student. They're so cocky. I mean, when they take an exam, it's like, they get 90. and It's like, why did I get 90? What has the lecture done with my 10? And meanwhile, you two, you are holding your 62 with gladness. <laughs> You are, you even shared a testimony about it. You left your paper around for people to see your paper. <laughs> you know, you put a smiling face around the number, <laughs> and then you put exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Then you look at the person who has had ninety, who who works like Louis. You know. <laughs> I got this you know you finish the exam and the exam was so bad everybody comes quiet or trying to double check to just see maybe something and then he's just going didn't you see how difficult the exam was which part if you are not careful you'll be making a silent prayer that God next exam Let him be on the other side of the aisle, but God doesn't work that way, Jena. God doesn't work that way because Esau going to marry somebody from the land of Canaan will not affect Jacob, will not affect um, Isaac, will not affect uh, Rebecca. The only person it will affect is Esau. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. We're about to read a scripture. You realize that the the tendency and the potential to compromise is very real. It's very real. What have I told you this morning? The first one is what? You can maneuver, but you can't cause it to be manifested, isn't it? What have I said? That don't take actions and expect others to bear the consequences of it. And never take actions when you are hurt. When you are in pain, don't take any action. There's another thing about the story of Jacob that I want us to look at. And that is what I call Bethel. 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 What am I saying? The significance of Bethel in my life. The significance of Bethel in your life. They use the purpose of Bethel. When you read Genesis 28 from verse 10, when Jacob was going, when Jacob left and he was going on his way, he got to a certain place. I just want to read a few verses there. When you go and read it, we don't have my time, so I don't want to read it. Now Jacob went out from, verse 10, from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and it stopped reaching to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, went on and on and on. He said that your descendants shall be the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad the west and the east. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. And he said, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. Jacob arose, set up a pillar, poured oil in it. Verse 19, and he called the name of the place Bethel. Amen. When you read verse 11, it says that he came to a certain place and stayed there all night. Then at the verse 18, it says that he called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel just means the house of the Lord. That is what it means, the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord. Jacob's story, and even we see it also in Abraham, when Jacob came to that place, he didn't know the place he had come to. He called it a certain place. And I think that all of us, when we come into the faith, when we become Christians, we come not knowing where we have come into, not knowing what we have come into. The Bible says that he came to a certain place and stayed there all night. One of the things about Bethel is that. Normally, when you get to Bethel, you probably are going through a night period. Amen. You are going through a night. He says that he came to a certain place and that is one of the things about the house of God is that when you are in a bad place, when you are in a not so good place, when you are in a place of famine, when you are in a place of persecution, Bethel draws you in. When you read Abraham's story in Genesis chapter 12, when God said, go, I'll show you a place to go to. At a point, he arrived at Bethel. Do you understand? He was also not, he wasn't sure where he was going. He He didn't know where he was going. And I think that the house of God represents that place where whether you are down, whether you are low, whether you are poor, whether you are in need, whether you are sick, whether you are struggling with something, it is a good place to come to because you will find God there. And that one, I believe that most of us appreciate it, know it, and relate with it. But Bethel, unfortunately, also has a lot of things that go with it that are not so pleasant. When you read Genesis 32, when Jacob got to Bethel, again, you know, when he went to his brother, his uncle Laban, God bless, and all that, and then he decided to. Um, come back he met uh, an angel and the angel in in, in 32 you realize that he was talking about he said this was still as was going he said your name shall be Israel Jacob's name shall be Israel that is when it was so now as he arrived in Laban's house he's now he also has that name But in chapter 35, when he's coming back, he comes through better. Again, let's, let's look at it. Genesis 32. Genesis chapter 32. I like the story of Jacob and this. So I pray that all of us, when we are bored during this Christmas time, we'll read a little bit of it. When he had finished with his, uh, his work in uh, Laban's place and he was coming back, he decided that I'm going to plead with my brother. I'm going to ask for mercy. I'm going to ask for my brother to forgive me. So he sends servants with him, you know. And then in verse 22, that is where he experiences. And then he begins to wrestle uh, with the angel. And the angel comes to confirm that, listen, your name is Israel and you're going to be blessed and you have seen the face of God. He calls that place Penuel. He goes to Esau. Esau accepts him. He lives there. He becomes blessed. Then Genesis chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there. There. And, who, and, and and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau your brother? And Jacob said to his household and to all with him, "Put away your foreign gods, verse three, then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God. Amen. Verse 11 it says, "And also God said to him, "I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply a nation." And a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. Amen. What is this scripture telling us? This scripture is also telling us that Bethel is a place you go when you are in the night season, when you are in a challenge, when you are in a struggle. But it's also a place you go to when you are blessed. Amen. It is also a place you go to where God reminds you that he has blessed you. It is a place that you go to when things are working, when things are amazing, when you are blessed. Haven't we realized that for most of us as Christians, when we are going through a challenge or when we are broken hearted, we will make sure that we come into the house of God or somebody will just say, oh, listen, let's just go to church You know, let's just go, uh, you know, I'll get somebody to counsel you. I'll get somebody to advise. We come into the house of God, broken, crying. But I feel that one of our main challenges is that when we are blessed, when we are restored, when we have recovered, when things are okay, when we don't have a need again, then we have a challenge. When Abraham in chapter 13 when Abraham had been blessed and all that, the Bible said God told him that he should go to Bethel. And, and, and I think the verse 2, let, let's look at it. The verse 2 says that he was rich. Yeah. Verse 2 says that, then Abraham went out from Egypt, he and his wife and all that. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and A to the place of the altar which he had made there the first. We don't only serve God, we don't only value the house of God, we don't only be Christians when things are bad. We are not only Christians, we don't only come to church because we have a need and we need to pray for it. We don't only serve God because we are looking for something. We serve God when we are looking for something. We serve God when we have something. We serve God when we don't know. We serve God when we know. We serve God when we don't understand. The reason why the Western world doesn't serve God is because they assume that the need for God is when you have a need that you can't meet yourself. But we don't serve God because we have a need. We don't value the house of God because of what it gives to us. We value the house of God because it is the Lord's house and we come there to worship him. And we worship God in the night. We worship God in the day. We worship God when it's summer. We worship God when it's winter. We worship God in spite of the situation and the challenge. We appear, then we disappear. We appear, then we disappear. We are Christians, then we are not Christians. Yeah, we grow, we fall in love with God, and we do a lot of godly things, and then we. And that is why, I don't know if you know it, Bethel is a place that is not mentioned in the New Testament. Second Kings chapter seventeen, Bethel. Did you hear Bethel from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Revelation? Bethel is not mentioned because Bethel becomes corrupted. When we don't appreciate the use of it and we don't realize the purpose of it, the house of God becomes corrupted. Let me give you a last verse. We are going to be closing soon. 2 Kings chapter 17. Because the house of God can become a place where we worship God and where we worship other gods, where we worship idols, where we worship things where we worship people, where we worship situations, where we worship circumstances. Second Kings chapter 17. There was a king there. All the people, the original inhabitants of the place had been kicked out and now they were misbehaving. Let me read some of the verse for you so it will help us because... So verse 32, so they feared the Lord and from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high place who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high place. So this, the the king had asked that, listen, if the people are not serving God, can you get some of the priests to come and maybe teach them what to do and how to serve God? Verse 33, they feared the Lord yet served their own gods. According to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. To this day, they continue practicing the former rituals. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the law and commandments which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob. Verse 35 With whom the Lord had made a covenant, you shall not fear other gods or bow down to them, but the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power. Verse 41, so these nations feared the Lord, yet served their carved images. Also their children and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. Amen. Yeah. Verse 32, she said, they feared the Lord, yet served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried. They feared the Lord, yet served other gods, served other things other idols why because of the and the rituals of the nations from whom they had come haven't you realized that the defilement of the house of God is in a way almost related to the location of the house of God when you go to Africa the way we defile the house of God is different from when you come to Europe depending on the nation we are in. In most parts of Africa, I don't think it's a discussion whether I have to work on a Sunday or not. Whether I can go to church on a Sunday or not. It's not a problem. But how do we defile God? They still defile God. By the use of the house of God, for various, I mean, I remember when when South Park, my brother came to church, nice, young, handsome man came. I saw that some of the young girls were really looking at him from the corner of their eyes. You know? The guy came and after church came, and then after he had spoken for about 10 minutes, he said, Oh, he's a, I can't remember, insurance something, something, you know. So he wanted to sell life insurance to people in the church. And then and then we told him that, no, you can't do that here. And then he didn't appear. After a few months, we heard he had gone to another city in South Africa. He had just come to see if he could do, because then you have to invest, you know, thousand pounds, whatever, into it, and then they'll set up something. It's still edifying. But you come here, even from what we preach, you can tell. Do you know that most people from the pulpit are afraid to read certain scriptures in the Bible? Yeah, because if you talk about certain things that are in scripture, in certain parts of the world, then they'll call you that you're homophobic, you're that, you're that, you're that, you're that. So we adjust ourselves to the rituals of the nation that we are in. Most of us are even afraid to be able to tell where we work that I need to go to church on Sunday. But you know we can come into the house of God and tell pastor, I cannot come to church on Sunday. I've got to work. Yeah. Because one has become your God. So you serve God because you, when you are able to come, when you come, you give an offering. When you come, you do, you know, when I'm around, I'll do something. When I'm not around. And he says that they continue till today. So, even in our present state, those of us who say we are Christians, the reality of, of it is that we know God, we sort of serve God, but we also serve other things. When you read Jeremiah, by the time you get to Amos chapter 7, the Bible says that God told the prophet, Amos, that don't prophesy in Bethel again. Emos 7:12, he said, go and prophesy to Judah, the house of praise. Because that's for my house. Don't listen. What the scripture is trying to tell us that till you are a true and genuine worshipper of God, you cannot, you there is no way you can be under that covering and that grace that comes. And that's why sometimes we are in the house of God, but we are so frustrated because all the different gods are pushing us. All the different gods are pulling us. Yes, we know that the house of God is a place of this, but also. said that they didn't stay. You know, David knew something. David knew something. David knew something that if we as Christians and as we are celebrating the birth of Jesus and we are so excited about Christmas and we are looking forward to tomorrow and all the eating and all the joy, all the rest we will get in the season. My prayer is that when we enter into 2018, let Bethel be really Bethel. Let the house of the Lord be the house of the Lord. Let it not become a place where everything else is done but serving God. David said in Psalm 23 verse eight, he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Yeah. In Psalm 27 verse 4, it says that one thing have I desired that I may seek the Lord, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and I will behold his beauty. Beauty of the Lord. David just knew something. He just knew something, and he kept talking about it, dwelling in the house of in, in Psalm some sixty-five verse four. So you know, he said, "Blessed is the one that God chooses and causes to approach, so that that person will dwell in the courts in the in, in God's court." And then what will happen? He said that we 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 shall be satisfied with the goodness of the house. Don't appreciate the goodness of the house of God, you because you see, Pastor Sam was saying it earlier. Then, when they say, Be blessed, may the Lord be with you, we don't find it amazing. We think that it is so amazing when you have gone to labor for Pharaoh for 10 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours, and he has put a hundred pounds in your house, then you feel blessed. But what does God give you when you come into house? He gives you a prayer. He gives you a, a chance to worship. He gives you a chance to remind you of how much he loves you. How much he cares for you. But Rather, we defile even the things that are supposed to be good. I don't know if you've noticed. Most people don't even like the prayer time of church. It's like we haven't started service some two really just like their worship so they'll listen to their worship and then they'll sleep but the goodness of the Lord is in his way to us yeah the goodness of the Lord is in their worship the goodness of the Lord is in our prayer we make, it, we make the house of God a mockery we make the house of God a mockery Choke. I pray. It's my prayer for us this season as we enter into the new year. That in the coming year, our attitude to the things of God, to the house of God. You know, sometimes it's even so frustrating that somebody will say, oh, I will do this in the house of God. I will help with this. And then they don't do it. And they don't care. Because it's just, it's just the house of God. Nobody will dare not go to work and not even call that I won't go to work because they are afraid they'll sack them. Nobody will dare go to work and say I won't bother, I can't sit at my desk. I feel like going to lie in the couch I'll just sit in the kitchen. You are afraid. Even work they haven't given you, you will do. But in the house of God, even work you have taken, you won't do. Let's rise up on to We don't value we don't value it. We don't value it. We don't realize that what the house of God has for us is for all season. It's for all season. When you are good, when you are not good. When you are bad, when you are not bad. When you, are, you have strength, when you don't have strength. When you are weak, when you are not weak. The house of God is there so that in the night time people can run into it. In the daytime, people can come and rejoice in it. I want you to just pray for yourself this afternoon. Just pray for yourself this afternoon. That indeed, God will have mercy on us where we have defiled his house. Where we have defiled his house. Where we have defiled his house. house. The Bible says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. Father have mercy on us this morning, where we have defiled your house. The house of God is not a place for gossip. The house of God is not a place for abuse. The house of God is not a place for quarreling and fighting. The house of God is not a place to come and despise somebody. It doesn't matter what nation we are in. It doesn't matter what land we are in. It doesn't matter what city we are in. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Want to be able to say it like David. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of God. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I would rather be even cleaning in the house of God. I would rather, I would rather just be standing in the house of God. I would rather, I would rather, I would rather. I would rather, I would rather. Where does my strength come from? Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? Where can I find the glory of God? Where, where can I find it? What keeps me going? What do I need so that when I get to work, I can face the challenges? What do I need so that when I get to school, I can face the challenges? What do I need so that in my marriage, I can overcome the challenges? What do I need? What can I use? Where can I find it?
1: Let the glory of the Lord
0: rise among us. Let the glory
1: of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of our King rise among us. glory of the Lord, rise among us, let the glory of our King rise among us, let the praises of our King rise among us, let it rise. i
0: to just place your hand on your heart you know we all have our own relationship with God we all know and in our own unique way know where we are at with ourselves and with God I want you to pray for yourself pray for yourself Pray for yourself that, Lord. I've been called a Christian for a while. I call myself a Christian. I call myself a strong Christian. But, Lord, you know. You know, you know, you know, you know. When they see me, what do they see? When I see me, what do I see? The thoughts I have had towards your house. The feelings I have had towards your house. The attitude I have had towards your house. The attitude I have had towards the things of God. Lord, this afternoon I I ask for mercy. 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 The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What it says that the reverential acknowledgement of who God is, is the beginning of wisdom. That in the house of God, there are treasures. That in the house of God, there are treasures. That in the house of God, there are blessings. And we want to begin to see it. You know, when you read in Amos and even in second Kings, you realize that God departed from that place. One of the things that we have to hunger for and strive for is that God never leaves us, that the Spirit of God never departs from us. You want to pray for yourself. You know what Christian journey you're on. You know what walk you're on. You know what relationship you're on. You know you know the idols and the gods that have been brought to you or you have found in the land wherein you dwell. you don't want to go into 2018 with those idols nothing else must you serve but God everything else must be there for you to be able to serve your God well everything else is there for your service not for you to serve we want the glory of God to rise in our house Lord We want the glory of God to arise in your temple Lord
1: Rise among us, let the glory of the Lord rise.
0: including myself, I've got my hand lifted up. But you also know that you want a better relationship with God. You also know that there is more room. There are areas in your life. There are gods in your life that must be pulled down. There are idols between you and your God. Just lift up your hand. Let's all surrender this to God. Lord, this afternoon we don't want to pretend to be something we are not. Lord, this afternoon we don't want to pretend to be who we are not. we come before you this afternoon to say Lord we are Christians but we struggle there are areas of our faith that is not how it ought
1: to be there
0: are parts of our lives Lord that are not pleasing to you And yet we bring it into your house. This afternoon we ask that you have mercy on us. Forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us of all jealousy, pride. Father, all wrong thinking and attitudes. Every sin that so easily besets us. All the different weights that we carry. We have a form of godliness but we deny the power thereof. Have mercy on us, Lord. We don't want to even celebrate Christmas in the wrong jacket and in the wrong coat. Father, I pray for every hand lifted up. I pray that you will restore us back to our first love. The love we once had for you. The fire we once had for you. The fire that used to burn so bright. That we didn't even want to leave your house. Even when we left your house, we were thinking about your house. Restore that love unto us, Lord. Renew the right spirit in us this afternoon. Deliver us, Lord. From everything that so easily entangles us, lost and ties us up. Set us free this afternoon. Free to worship you. Free to serve you. Free to cry out. Free to shout your name. We have even pretended to be blessed. We have pretended to be spiritual. We have pretended to be saved when we were not saved. This afternoon, we strip ourselves. We put down every idol. All the little and mini gods. We put on a new garment a garment of truth, a garment of righteousness, a garment of faith. We take the sword of your word. And we are going to walk with it. We are going to live by it. This afternoon we declare that we are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed of who we are. We are not ashamed of who has called us. We are not ashamed of who we represent. And like David we are going to say it. That we boast in the Lord. Come and make our heart your home, Lord. Establish us in your house. Let the house of God be established. Let the children of God be established. Let the people of God say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We thank you. We bless your name. We give you a shout of praise. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise.